Welcome to Gen Z Hoops, the Gen Z basketball coaching and sports business show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Hey, John, what's going on? How are you? How's it going? It's going good. Uh, beautiful day outside. It's really fun. It's, it's a great time to get on a podcast and just super fun having you on talking about all the stuff you've been doing. I mean, whether it's your career, whether it's what you're doing now after you've graduated and you know, you, you get, you're going to this whole coaching journey. It's super cool to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's March. You know, that's always a big month for basketball. Um, even during this Corona pandemic, you know, March still feels like an important month. Also, um, you know, March is Female Athlete Month, so I'm doing a lot of things with that. I work with East Bay a ton. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of things to do in the sports world besides just watching the games on TV, which I'm super blessed to be able to do right now that, you know, the NBA and G League and and WNBA were playing in the bubble. So everything's been good Um, with my business. You know, the kids are working, grinding, getting ready for spring and summer stuff like tournaments and camps and clinics. But, you know, every day I'm training, building the business, also just doing some of my uh, personal ambassador and influencer stuff on Instagram and social media, uh, doing content like this, being on podcasts and, you know, interviews and such just to, you know, continue marketing my brand because it's not just, you know, what you do in a gym every day. It's not just the people you talk to. It's kind of how do you use all of those outlets and resources that you have to create new business opportunities or new projects or just open opportunities for your audience. And my audience obviously are the kids that I work with every day, uh, trying to gain new clients. And then also the audience that I have virtually who may not be able to meet me in person and stuff. You know, how do you interact with that? Because both types of audiences are super important. So it's just interesting trying to manage and process all of this and at the same time grow your business but it's you know we'll see how it goes i mean it's going really well so far from what i could tell obviously oh, you've had a bunch of really good marches before this and it's i mean it's, I mean, it's super cool to just unpack there's so much there to unpack and you're doing so much and like the whole point of the show is obviously gen z young people and and, and all the cool stuff that, that we're all doing um so it's Thanks. awesome to see i mean just just to start off though i mean every when it comes like everything's about basketball with you like where did that passion kind of start and how did that obviously progress maybe through through high school and stuff obviously you, you were really good but where, where did the passion for it come from So I will definitely say the passion stems from my father, who was my coach from the time I couldn't remember picking up a ball to my last game. And honestly, it hasn't stopped then because my dad helps me with my business to this day. And, you know, he's almost like a manager for me and um, somebody that I can talk to whenever I run into issues or, you know, what do I do here? How do I do this? You know, the basketball impact is still there, even though I'm not wearing the jersey. So you know, that type of relationship uh, most kids unfortunately don't get to have. And it, even though it's not guaranteed to have that if you want to be successful, but it, I have to say that I credit my dad to almost 80, 85% of my success. Um, that's just because he saw things for me before I did. He pushed me. He obviously has basketball, basketball knowledge and expertise. Um, so all of that combines into being, you know, your coach, trainer, supporter, father, guider. Um, you know, he was all in one. So everything was in the house, in the gym, 24 seven, the grind, the work ethic, the mentality never changed. Uh, So I will say that big basketball goals for me did start at a young age. 
I had dreams of playing in the WNBA probably when I was in fourth, fifth grade. Always knew I wanted to get a D1 basketball full ride scholarship. But, you know, you don't really know those specific details until you get older and start going into those doors of, with college coaches and having those conversations. But it's the idea of knowing what's out there and seeing it and studying the game. So I was a big Kobe Bryant fan, always watched games on TV. You know, YouTube wasn't really there back then, but you were still able to go back and research old highlights or find old games and and just study. I, I was a huge supporter of the WNBA. Long story short, Elena Deladon, MVP of the WNBA two years ago, went to my high school, an all-girls high school called Ursuline Academy in Wilmington, Delaware. So very small world. You know, I, I look back and I'm blessed to have all of these connections. And, you know, how did I run into these people or why did this happen for me? And that's how I got in contact with that high school. I, I ended up going there. She had taken me to a WNBA game. You know, I was just that kid that she saw in the camp that had a lot of potential and desire to be great. And she kind of wanted to show me a little bit of her personal life. You know, the ropes of the McDonald's All-American, you know, player of the Gatorade player of the year at the time, what it's kind of like, what this big stage is like. You know, she was going to UConn at the time. Um, she was all over magazines and ESPN. It was insane. And when we had gone to that WNBA game, she actually knew all of the WNBA players. We went into the locker room after the game. It was almost like she was already in the WNBA as a high school player. So the level of status and the level of the doors that she had access to, you know, no, not a lot of basketball players or just athletes in general at that age have that. So I was able to see a really, really high level, even when I wasn't there. So my goals and the ceiling of my goals was super, super high. So, you know, I always wanted to be great. You know, the work ethic never stopped. The goals were high. And that's kind of what kept me pushing throughout, throughout my entire journey. That's huge. And the story you're sharing are really cool. I mean, you obviously some other really cool ones that we're going to dive into, but thinking about like your, 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 your role model at 13, 14 years old, like being like, Oh, let's go to this stuff. You Let's go into the locker rooms. Like that's insane. Yeah. And I can't imagine I was what actually, that's like. I was actually a bit younger. I was, I, I think I was about fifth grade. Oh my um, God. Yeah. 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 So it's interesting. You know, I just was a kid that had entered into the summer camp. She was a counselor working there at the high school. So, you know, you look back and say yeah, everything happens for a reason. I'm thinking like, 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 what were you doing at that summer? You must have been having like 40, 50 point games. Like you end up being Villanova's like all time leading three point, all these things. Like what were you doing to these poor fifth graders? <laughs> you know, I was, uh, this is interesting as well. Part of my journey is my dad did a really good job of putting me in different basketball environments. So, you know, Wilmington, Delaware, which is where I'm from is actually a great city. Um, you know, you have your inner city, your outside city. There's a lot of new development um, with environmental justice and, you know, the city's really growing. So where my facility is, the 76ers field house that I train in now, um, it's right in the middle of everything. So, you know, the environment is open to all different types of kids, different families, you know, so you need that in a sports environment and, you know, a very diverse sports environment. But going back to that, when I was in fourth, fifth, sixth, probably all the way to eighth grade, my dad took me to the inner city of Wilmington and put me in an all boys league at the Wilmington Hicks Anderson Center, who I'm still affiliated with to this day. That's where a lot of my kids actually come from, the community center. So I bring them the opportunity to come play at the field house, come train with me, you know, play for my Han Hoops team, really, you know, almost give them access to that big stage moment that I had as a kid at an early age, just for their dreams and desires to heighten. 
because that's where it starts. You know, you can't force a kid to, to do things. You can't put the image into their head. You can only kind of show them little bits and pieces and then they go to dream. And, you know, it's endless from there. But, you know, I was playing in a all boys league and I was the only girl. And at the time, you know, I was the only white person. So it's just a, a different environment that you're not used to. But this changed me into a better person and a better basketball player. You know, I developed skills that a lot of boys had at that age, or I was just as athletic and strong as a lot of boys. So then when I went and played on girls teams and in girls camps and such, I really stood out. So, you know, going back to your question, you know, I wasn't necessarily dropping all these points, you know, games weren't built like that. I was on so many different teams, you know, you're really young and as a beginner, you're kind of just floating around. But in a sense, everywhere I went, I was seen as that same consistent killer player that was just dominating. Super cool to think about that. And then also thinking about like that whole just being consistent, super cool, always bringing that work ethic in. You obviously mentioned Kobe at the beginning and, and the story of him just seeing you in the hallway and the whole Villanova, right? That's just that's just so cool. And thinking about that, like that just is like such an awesome story. What it, I mean, we, we spoke about your dad and, like, and his role as a mentor, but someone like Kobe, who you didn't meet until so much later on, but you always just knew of him. What was that kind of mentorship like from someone that you that, that you never really knew until until so late? This story and moment of my life is so impactful that I probably talk about it at least once a day, either to a kid or a parent or, or even a random person. If I'm wearing something Lakers, you know, you're a fan and I just show them the picture or tell them the story because it means so much to me. But as a kid, yes, you know, I saw Kobe Bryant on TV and I knew from there that that's the type of player that I wanted to be. Again, at the time, you know, he stood out amongst those players. So obviously my vision, you know, just watching the basketball game, that was the one that I saw and kept my eyes on for a reason. My whole room is Kobe Bryant, purple and yellow Lakers, diehard fan, you know, just being a girl, uh, you know, a white girl from Wilmington, Delaware that loves this NBA team and this NBA guy. You know, I got bullied for it when I was younger, actually. And, you know, in high school start hanging around with boys and, you know, they're just, why do you have this sports boys room? You know, all this stuff. Um, and it never knocked me in a sense, you know, I'm like, why doesn't everybody support Kobe? Because, you know, upon his death, we obviously saw how that changed the world. But, you know, sometimes when you have a specific sports figure or you love something, a lot of people won't support it. They just don't have the same amount of value as you. So from all of this adversity and opposition from people, it actually made me want to be better at basketball. You know, I was that kid whose dad really pushed them and I couldn't not relate that to a lot of kids. It was almost like I had this secret life at home because I didn't understand it. I was way too young. You know, why is basketball such a discipline right now? Why is basketball almost the number one thing I have to do? Just because he saw how crucial certain outlets were in my life. My entire life also, I wanted Kobe Bryant to notice me. I had seen him play at the 76ers, against the 76ers Fieldhouse at Wells Fargo, you know, but I always wanted to go to LA and then he retired. So I thought, oh, it's over. You know, I'm never going to meet Kobe. I'm going to have to try to build my business so that maybe I could work at Mamba Academy one day or be a trainer there or, you know, possibly start some of my interviews. And, you know, I had Metal World Peace, who was one of his big teammates and stuff. So maybe, you know, I'll get connections through him. And it never happened. So I'm a junior at Villanova. 
we actually entered into the NCAA tournament that year and lost to University of Notre Dame, who were the champions that year. So, you know, this year was a little bit different. That was the only time I had went to the NCAA tournament as well as a Villanova athlete. I went once out of my four years, which I still look back on and kind of regret a little bit. But boom, Indianapolis, or I'm sorry, Columbus, Ohio, girls, women's final four, University of Notre Dame and Mississippi State, you had University of Connecticut and Baylor, women's basketball. All of these great teams. And here's UConn in the semifinals. And I have a media pass. So I know a lot of Philadelphia sports reporters and such. So I'm able to get access to these things. You know, this was just something that I knew that trying to be great at what you do can offer so many other opportunities elsewhere. So you just have to stick to that. But anyways, it's halftime, you know, boom, go in the back of the locker room of the tunnel and him and his entire family come out. And the first person he recognizes is me, you know, no introduction, no Kobe Bryant. This is girl women's basketball players who play, you know, I was with other girls who played basketball at different universities. You know, they maybe not have been as highlighted as me, but we're still there. And for him to recognize, you know, that little white girl that plays basketball, because I still see myself as that, you know, it's interesting and looking back on my entire life, why I loved him and his mentality so much. So after this had happened, I was like, this happens for a reason. You know, now I understand why I worked hard my entire life. Now I understand, you know, the grind, the all of those times I could have quit or all of those times where I was shut down from either people or my personal injuries or, you know, some college recruiters, college coaches, not believing I could play at their program. A lot of doubts at the end of the day, you only had yourself and your desires and your ambition. And, you know, all of those stemmed from me having Kobe Bryant as that profile during my life. So to see him physically and him have that impact towards me, you know, there was something that I did for him to recognize me. So now there's a two-way relationship and who would ever thought that you would have a a two-way relationship with Kobe Bryant, one of the best players of all time, one of the greatest athletes of all time, you know, and going out of the athletic world, one of the biggest influencers ever. It's crazy to know how and why, you know, and to this day, I I reach out to Vanessa Bryant all the time. Um, I reach out to the Mamba Academy. I am super, super invested in trying to get more affiliated with his family or his business and his community out in LA. So, you know, there's more to come with Kobe Bryant. And from that moment, that's all I knew is I'm doing this for him, you know, and we all thought Kobe Bryant had all the answers and, you know, something so tragic that could happen to a man that was so good and a, and a, a daughter that didn't even really start her life. Um, you, you start to question how and why, but you can't. You can't. All you can really do is stick to your goals and your dreams, be a good person, and, you know, it'll come back to you. So Kobe Bryant is ingrained in my life forever, yeah. It's incredible to think not just about how ingrained he is in your life because, or, any, or all of our lives, not just because of his playing career, because of what he did afterwards, right? What, he's, what he was doing for women's basketball, what he was doing for all these other things. It kind of felt like his retirement was going to be better than his playing career, which is why his, his passing was so, was so shocking. And when, when thinking about that, when you, you brought up how when he retired, you thought it was over, how you had no chance of seeing him again. Um, or how, like, and the thought of like, it's over and it's final. 
Um, and then how that ties into how it was really just the beginning for him. I'm curious about with you, when your playing career ended, it might be easy to look at it and say, okay, um, Adriana's basketball career is over. But in fact, it was the beginning because you're doing all these cool things now. So can you talk about a little bit about that, 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 that part of your life and that decision of starting Han Hoops and, what, and where it's taken you? I never thought that I would create a basketball training business. I always knew that I would potentially be a coach one day, but, you know, I thought, I would do that a little bit later on in my career. You know, you kind of see a basketball coach as being an older person. And I didn't want to go through the levels of coach middle school, coach high school, you know, just because I thought that my expertise and knowledge of the game has surpassed that. When I first left Villanova, you know, I thought I was going to get a guaranteed job in sports production. I was interviewing in LA and New York. You know, I thought that my resume and social media platform would really help me stand out and I would definitely get it. It was the complete opposite. I got denied at a lot of interviews. Granted, I was at huge companies, worldwide companies, um, Fortune 500 companies, and it's, it was very challenging and competitive. But, you know, when you have a strong network that uh, you would think kind of is the best outlet, sometimes it's not and you can't rely on it. When I actually came back to Wilmington, Delaware, I was serving in a restaurant and I did that as a Villanova point guard, actually. Um, I worked in a breakfast brunch cafe and, you know, going back to, you know, playing in the inner city community in a boys league, that was something that, you know, I knew was a totally different environment to the kids that I was going to Villanova with or on my basketball team and such, but I knew that it would only benefit me. You know, my communication skills got excellent being a server. Um, I met tons of people who had totally different lives than me, totally different upbringings and childhood experiences. and you know, it was just a different world that I was able to be a part of, you know, during this chaotic Villanova point guard, big stage, verified social media account. You know, I wanted to have both. And so, you know, I carried that into my non-playing career and after college. And I was very disappointed. You know, I didn't know who I was. I did not believe or have the confidence in my skills to be translated into the real world. I didn't know that what you learned on a basketball court or in an athletic setting could be appropriated into somewhere else in the real world. It was hard for me to digest and balance all of this. And so then, you know, eventually I got the courage to just start doing things on my own. That's when I started doing media, you know, interviews on my Instagram with some celebrity guests and athletes and such. And you know, using my network in more personal way, you know, and then I get a call one day from this director, Trevor Cooney, who I knew previously because in Delaware, it's a small world. He's a great basketball player and such and played at Syracuse and, you know, asked me if I wanted to start training some kids in basketball at this multimillion dollar facility. And I never even knew it was there until I had gotten this call. So, you know, I wasn't even going out of my way to try to get into a gym. I was training kids out in their driveway or at an outside park. You know, it was, it was almost just like I felt I had to do this because of the places that I was at because of basketball and the goals and accomplishments that I uh, made for myself. You know, I felt like it would be disrespectful if I didn't train these kids, you know, and then eventually you realize you have to start making a living and, you know, everybody, you need, you need to make money in this real world, especially during Corona and that pandemic. This was right when I started my business. And uh, thankfully, my gym was able to stay open during this time. And that's when it all hit. 
all of these kids started coming to the gym. Um, granted, I already have a strong network in Delaware, so a lot of people already kn- know my name, but you know, that spread more and more. And now I have all levels of kids. Um, this business is the type of business where you have multiple businesses in one business. So all of the relationships are different. Every kid has a different goal, different desire. Every kid has a different starting point. So, you know, there's a lot of things to work with, but if I did not have the facility, if I did not have these strong connections or these resources in my hometown, you know, it'd be really, really difficult. A lot of trainers have to rent community centers, high school gyms. You know, it's difficult. It's the facility is the hardest part of the business, especially if you want to start running camps and tournaments and stuff. And to have one primary location is the best thing because then your audience is not running around and scrambling. So being a 23 year old trainer and, you know, March, it's been one year of business. I'm truly blessed to see everything that I've been given and, you know, the people that I've met and, you know, I'm the most important part of this business is to change the kids' lives. I mean, that doesn't have to be with basketball, but basketball can open more doors than a lot of other industries in society. And a lot of people don't highlight that or support it because, you know, it's academics first or, you know, this first, um, when actually, you know, the world is changing. You don't have to do this or have this to get this anymore. Um, and you know, that whole nine to five concept is kind of going away. Our generation is changing that, you know, and being a basketball player, you have a lot of branding and marketing outlets in the sports industry. A lot of athletes are being tied to skincare products and, you know, health, uh, health and lifestyle routines. And, you know, they're doing other things that support that athletic identity. So for me, you know, being an athlete and, you know, I know bias, but being a basketball player, I think is the best route to starting a successful life. It's, it's so interesting what you said about, about how just our generation is different, right? And how maybe for our parents, it's more cookie cutter. Like it, you have to take this path. But for us, I would say, you mentioned before, whether it's education, whether it's all these other things first, I would say it's passion first over anything. Um, whatever way, whatever you pick, as long as you're following your passion, you're going to be fine. Yours is obviously basketball. Mine obviously is too. And a lot of the listeners to the show are, and they might be hearing other things where it's like, okay, well, maybe it's my, maybe it's more of a hobby, but no, if you're that into it, it, it will be your passion. So I'm kind of curious. It's so fantastic that you were able to start basically in March, right? Like literally I, I would imagine like maybe was it, was it a few days before a few days after the pandemic, but you, you oh. started there. Was it, uh, what, what, what day would you say? Like, right, right. on. Oh, it? you know, like January 26th. Kobe that that happened and and then you know we already heard about corona but it was just now entering into the U.S. and then now people started dying unexpectedly and you know boom 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 then it's like oh you can't go out of your house but then you know I have access to this gym and I can train kids so you know it was almost like what are you guys gonna do you know what are these kids what are you gonna do with your kids what am I going to do with my business? What are we going to do with this facility? So yeah, at that time, it was probably the most chaotic. Got it. No, definitely. And I'm thinking in terms of like, if you're able to do it then under those circumstances, where do you, where are you going to go from here? Because once things start coming back a little bit to normal, I would imagine it's, it's going to be so much easier for you to grow on hoops. Like what could we expect or what could, what could your, your players expect to see, to see you just absolutely take off over the next few months, years? Like what, what is it, what does that look like to you? You know, that's interesting because as I grow this business, you know, there's so many new different ideas that come into my head and 
you know, I'm by myself right now. There's no other coach, no other, you know, director, manager, social media team, nothing. I do everything. So, you know, at the same time, I have to really think about which, you know, next growth or a step to my business is the most important or most crucial. And that's not necessarily for me. That's more for my kids. You know, what's necessary for them right now in their growth? What do they need? You know, even in terms of equipment or what do they need? Um, do I have to start setting up showcase college events here at the field house? Do I have to have, you know, do I have to start creating basketball teams like an AAU organization? I already have teams organized, but do we go down that AAU route? You know, like I said, I have East Bay as a huge partner behind me, which is great. They are not a company within that AAU circuit, similar to like Nike YBL or the Under Armour circuit. So it's interesting to see where they will go with me in this process. But at the same time, you know, I don't feel that I need that to be a, a strong team organization or a summer program. In terms of my business, you know, being in this tri-state area in Wilmington, Delaware, you know, I plan to grow this facility in my Han Hoops business as one of the most elite in this area. So in terms of attracting teams into tournaments and hosting bigger events and such, you know, I plan to put Han Hoops in that light. But that will also highlight my players who are in that light under our team and organization. Um, we obviously do training all year round. Training, I believe, is an important aspect before you can even start playing or start competing or start showcasing your talent in front of college coaches. And that's what a lot of parents and sometimes coaches avoid is the training aspect or what do you need to do when you are training? Um, you know, you have to have a level of basketball expertise and knowledge of the game and, you know, modern updates of the game. You know, who studies the game like that? You know, I know specific footwork. I know court awareness. I know what college coaches are looking for. And then, you know, I know what players need outside of their basketball talent in terms of being coachable or being leaders and having accountability. You know, it's, it's more than basketball, um, which makes it a little bit more harder, but makes the vision greater. So it doesn't feel like it's too much, but, you know, going back to, you know, being an athlete because it is more than basketball. That's why I truly believe that sports is a bigger outlet than what a lot of people think it is. Everything that I've learned on the basketball floor, I can articulate into the real world now. You know, I don't have a business degree. <laughs> I went to Villanova University and was in the arts and communications program. Um, so, you know, what I was doing wasn't necessarily what I thought I would have now. But from the skills that I learned, I'm able to run a business. I'm able to manage my social media and marketing and branding. And, you know, I'm able to manage my network and such. And, you know, I, I didn't take one business class in college. So, you know, you kind of have to not necessarily try to gain specific things or have certain titles or anything like that. My business, you know, as long as my kids are getting better, as long as they have bigger and, and better opportunities that I have opened for them. You know, as long as they are fully committing and I'm seeing their growth, not as just basketball players, but as, you know, mature young ladies or young gentlemen, you know, that's what I see. And like I said before, my Han Hoops Academy is very diverse. So to see these kids from different environments and going to different schools and different families and to see them create friendships and, you know, now they're following each other on social media, you know, we're a community. So that's the most important thing when it comes down to this and where our growth is in the future is just becoming a bigger, stronger 
more accepting opportunistic community. It's huge because that's, that's so important. Thinking about all that, and we spoke a lot all air about whether it's brands, followers, how that stuff's not that important. When it comes to building your brand, obviously, and whether it's social media, and you, and you touched on that at the end, are you doing a lot of stuff now, whether it's the Wolfpack Philly show, going on different things, but kind of what it all comes back to, we were talking at the beginning, is how you don't really look at the views and the numbers. You kind of care more about the, the interactions and the actual relationships that they're able to build. What, what, is that, what did that look like for you, and, and why is that so important? You know, I did a lot of work in LA, um, in the Hollywood stage. And so that was also my first introduction to kind of sports production outside of my own personal interviews on a basketball court, which really has nothing to do with sports media production when you go to LA. And, you know, I had great connections out there. I had great opportunities. I was thrown in the fire on movie sets and TV shows and, you know, being a manager and assistant and you know, being in big business meetings and such, you know, I had a voice and a green light and it was all thrown to me. So at the same time, even though I say I worked in Hollywood and there were these downs to it, there was also this huge level of excitement and, you know, aspiration for just everything that I wanted to do. You know, at, at the same time in being LA, I met people who had bigger numbers than me, bigger followers, you know, they worked with bigger companies and they were showing that, but, you know, I was kind of, listening to their conversation and seeing the actual reality of it. And I didn't see that value in there. You know, it was almost just talk. And that's what I was not about. You know, I was not going to do this in the fake way. I was not going to fake it to make it. Um, You know, I never did that with basketball. It was all about putting hard work in, seeing real results from that, you know, sticking with those true people who supported you and and wanted you to be successful and vice versa. So you know, when I saw all this, I knew that this wasn't the route that I wanted to go down. And at the same time, like I said before, when I was getting denied from every job interview, I decided to start doing things on my own. And that's when I, you know, started doing that content on Instagram and using my network. Now, when I decided to choose my guests for my show outside the huddle, which is a sports lifestyle and culture show centered around not just interviewing athletes, but interviewing those whose perspective and opinion opinions matter in the athletic world. You know, this stemmed from that politician telling LeBron James to just shut up and dribble. You know, athletes are not just athletes. And this idea of athletes just being athletes in society, you know, I will take that away. When I started doing this, um, I always wanted Instagram to be a professional network for me. I always knew I could sort of make money from it and use it as a career. At the time, you know, a lot of people thought I was crazy and thought that that would never happen. And then, you know, eventually Instagram started growing and social media. And now we have influencers and ambassadors and now we see it every day and it's almost overused. So because it's overused now, you know, that's where I saw the route that I didn't want to go down. You know, don't just give me a discount code. Don't just send me this product. You know, that's not a long term relationship. That's not real business. That's not real results. So I stem away from that. And I really try to also work with companies who want to not only use me, but use my company and support my kids and all of my endeavors and what I'm doing. You know, it's not just me. So, you know, those, that's the quality that a lot of people kind of don't even have when they have 5 million followers on Instagram or, or because they have a blue check, you know, this is what they do. No. You're not going to get money from Instagram. You're not going to get real value and networks from Instagram. It's how you use your Instagram platform and take it outside of Instagram. 
you know, whether this is podcasts or interviews like this, whether you produce, you know, real live content for a company or a product and you go to their events and, you know, you're, you're at that public event speaking for them, or you're in the workout or you're in the video, you know, you're with their athlete or with their other ambassadors. You're now bringing that company into what you do every day, 24 seven. It's the quality for me. Um, I also have a very, very small circle personally. So, you know, when I look back on that, you know, you're always going to choose quality over, over quantity. It's not the person's name. It's not what they have. It's not what they've done in the past. It's who they are now and who they are with you and also who they are with what you, not just who you are, but what you have and the other people that are associated with you, like my kids, you know, I lose followers every day. I had 120,000 at Villanova. I have, I think I have 101,000, 100,000. You know, I'll let that list keep going down because the other list that people don't see is going up. That's a great quote. And everything was great, but that last quote really just resonates with me because <laughs> you, you care so much more about the list that no one sees than the one that everyone sees. Mm-hmm. Everyone just looks at it and goes, oh, that, that follower number's there. It's big. It's got a big K next to it. And everyone kind of looks at it, but everything else is way more important. So mm-hmm. Adrian, thank you so much for coming on because especially, I mean, just the, you're, you're really just spitting facts right now. <laughs> everything you're saying. <laughs> thank it you. Just, no, it, I really it is. appreciate it. It is. No, it just, it, it all just is, is so important. And, and a lot of people, forget, everyone forgets that stuff. Um, but hearing it from you, true, it obviously, true. yeah, everyone forgets. That I, will stuff. Say, I, mean, I will say with that too, you know, I, you know, I have to admit, and, you know, I'm, I'm just as guilty when I first started doing media content and, you know, like videos with celebrities and stuff, I felt that I needed to say what people wanted to hear, or I thought that I needed to say this correct answer because that was the one that was going to be most supported. But through that experience, you know, I realized that is the worst way to go because, you know, I would go back and listen to the interview. I'm like, I can't believe I said that, or I can't believe I just supported what that person said. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. And, you know, I'm only in this room by myself and nobody really hears my real voice. Um, So I wasn't using my platform and my figure in the best way. And over time, you know, I realized I want to be the opposite. I want to almost open the conversation, you know, almost be that argumentative, but controversial aspect and voice to possibly, you know, attack real issues and be able to find a resolution for them. And, you know, now that I have this and realized it and, you know, learn the ins and outs, there's no way I'll say something that isn't true just because I know that the benefit of that will not meet me later on in life. So as long as you could be genuine and know that from right now, you know, that's what I tell my kids every day is, you know, be yourself, you know, set your own goals and do that for you and never lose sight of yourself along the way. And I have to admit that from some of my Instagram dealing with that and, you know, the big stage and stuff, you can get sidetracked. You can start to think you have to become this person or this outlet um, because of what society is, but you don't, if anything, you know, the, the hardest thing to do is be yourself in that, in that light because of who you are, because of what you have. And a lot of people are listening, but, but, you know, going through that, if you remember why people followed you from the beginning or why people supported you, you know, that's what they're going to want to listen to and hear and believe in you. So don't change, but you know, you'll probably see me spitting more facts later on because that's all, that's all I really want to do is, is tell the truth. 
I'm looking forward to that content of you just always keeping it real. So, I mean, but you did it on this show. You're going to keep on doing it. And it's, it's the right way to go about things. So, I mean, thank you so much for coming on and absolutely just thank dro- you again. Dro- dro- dropping yep. so much knowledge. Yeah. I mean, whether it's to my, to the kids I coach to, I mean, it's going to be clip, whoever it is, whoever's listening to this, I, I know they're gonna take a lot of value from it. So thank you. Oh yeah. No, thank you. This is great. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to Gen Z hoops. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.